Hello, Fight fans, and welcome to the Hollywood Brunettes Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Matt, the store brand Keanu. Alongside me is my tag team partner, the Danimal. How's it going, Matty? Danimal, the only thing that possibly could overshadow the return of the wrestling god, Kenny Omega, was the amazing reunion of the acclaimed and daddy-ass. Scissor me, daddy-ass. Actually brought a tear to my eye briefly and i i'm just so happy with the state of aew right now we're catching them like as they're leading up to the build-up for a major pay-per-view here what are your kind of thoughts like what's jumping out to you right now the state of things well i think you were a hundred percent right because i i feel like we've been on the acclaimed for quite a while being impressed with them and i've been super pleased that tony khan has too and i think it's it's a great example of his willingness to read the fans because that is the, I feel like the acclaimed in general and the scissoring thing was like very quickly could have been vetoed, but it was kind of the classic, like well, shit people, people are doing it. And yeah, it legitimately was like this great moment where it was like the gun club turned and it was like, okay. And when it happened, I immediately had to like, come on, Come on, Bowens and Max. Like, you guys got to get out there. You got to save him. I know, I know he did you wrong. And yeah, like that moment did actually like put a huge smile on my face. And yeah, Bill, Billy, to his credit, also really kind of like sold it, like, you know, the heartbreak of his sons attacking him. And then the idea of, you know, this found family coming to his rescue. So yeah, as far as that goes, I, I could, yeah, I'm with you that it was a spectacular dynamite. But if you asked me, like, what did you think of last night's episode? That is a thousand percent where I go. So yeah, big, big shout outs. I actually listened to a uh, podcast with uh, Anthony Bowens uh, and Jericho, which was obviously really interesting, especially with, you know, Bowens background and, you know, being a gay superstar and everything. But apparently there were a few other things that Max Caster did, which were more offensive than the scissoring. So that's what they settled on and it's just gotten super over. So no, absolutely loved that. Um, the other, well, let's go to the top of the card because I really want your thoughts on this. That Moxley and Punk is happening. Punk came back to his typical fanfare, and now, now we've got the interim and the the reigning. So, what are you, what are you thinking about this feud, and what do you what do you want to get out of it? Where do you think it's going to go? Well, f- first and foremost, I have to say that it really. I, I won't say that they're rushing anybody back. I, I don't think that they would be, you know, so audacious to do that. But I do want to say that this feels like the direct result of Triple H coming out with such a bang with his booking since taking over WWE operations. And I really feel like now it's like, okay, Tony Khan has to counter that. So what do you do? You go back and it's like, well, we got to bring back reinforcements, right? We got to make sure the eyes stay on us. So I really like the way they have it this set up where Punk is back and he got the fanfare. But at the same time, he's also being the repulsive Punk, which is when he's at his best. Like him jawing at Moxley is just fantastic. And Moxley can do literally anything and the fans are going to back him. It seems like nothing about his character suggests he's babyface. And yeah, he's probably one of the most over in the whole, you know, of the entire division. So I just feel like it's a great, great setup. I like that they're doing prior to the pay-per-view, the big heads up. Um, I'd be shocked 
if Punk drops it, seeing as how he never actually got a true title run. But there's a lot of potential for the way they have that booked. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. I think you're right in that heel Punk is when he's a lot more valuable, um, you know, because he, he walks the line really well of that guy that says he's just being honest, but he's totally being an asshole. And it's like girls run away crying. And it's like, what? I just told her that her dog is definitely dying within the next two years due to statistical averages. And it's like, okay, like, you know, way to spit the truth. And that's kind of where punk lands where it's like, you know, I didn't need to, you know, do this. Like, and, you know, especially I feel like a Moxley one, it's probably inevitable that we'll get some shady like rehab thing with the straight edge. And I, I just think that Punk's in such a unique position because he's also so easy to barb as a heel because you can always bring up the like, oh, yeah, you lost your smile until the billionaire came with a bag for you. And then, you know, then all of a sudden the fire was lit again. Um, I also think that they've kind of got a they kind of got a heel problem, I think, right now, especially with MJF out in the ether. I mean, you can always reheat Jericho, but I think at the same time, he's getting into almost a weird like kind of towards the end of Cena's run, the crowd just has the, like, admiration for everything you've done. So if he's doing heel work, people kind of are like, oh, there he is, that Chris doing his thing. So I think I think from a booking perspective, you know, you've got the whole Blackpool Combat Club, so you can get a, a Danielson feud in there at some point. You know, Kenny obviously came back, and I think everyone's going to be excited for that. And then Hangman's still in the, the mix. So, yeah, especially as someone who's not particularly enamored with punk and really hasn't been since his return. I'm dreading on some level how much punk we're going to get, but I also know that to your point, uh, WWE is firing on a level that it hasn't in easily a decade, if not, you know, more. And I think you need to take your biggest draw who can, you know, do the kind of classic thing. of He can open every show. He can get the pop. He can set the card. So, I, uh, I think you're right. I, I'm also curious if they really have any finish next week or if we get the kind of typical something or other that doesn't result in it, whether, you know, it's a disqualification or a count out or some goofy, you know, double count out that then pushes it because they can't have this feud blow off without some absolutely batshit crazy AEW stipulation. So that would be, I, that would be my pick. I, I think you're right on there. I mean, I, I think, like he said, like <laughs> that's a perfect descriptor of the type of guy Punk is. Like some of some great lines he dropped on that last one, particularly like the third most talented guy in his group, like really was like a du- nice little shot at his time with the Shield, and uh, Eddie being the third most talented Eddie shared a locker room with, like. And there's the, been and some the second best and the second best Kingston. The fact that he got <laughs> right, Kofi right. in there too, it was just like. Oh man, that is like barbs on barbs. Yeah, and I have to say, like that kind of is a nice transition because there's been some fantastic mic work, which is something I feel like AEW had been lacking in for a long time, and it largely because why would you really need to cultivate much with some of your talent? Because you obviously you have you know the acclaim come out and they do the raps, which are always amusing. You had MJF who can now talk pretty much anybody in professional wrestling. And he's also on the same program that had CM Punk. So it's like you combine all those. Oh, yeah, by the way, you have John Moxley, who does some of the most amazing shoot interviews. So they got I feel like they got pretty top heavy. And then you 
I, I'm so, there's so many of them. I mean, Miro, Miro, who's done all these amazing things. Like the guy hasn't done shit since returning for the most part, but it doesn't matter because his promos, you know, right now are just so badass. And that's the thing. I feel like they got so reliant on that for a while, but some of the ones that really have moved me, like um, the only thing that made me more emotional than the return of daddy ass to the acclaimed was uh, FTR and the uh, fight like a girl uh, promo, which was just so fucking awesome. And I, that's a classic example too. Like you were saying of the Tony Khan, just like feeling out the crowd. Cause FTR has not changed who they are. They've literally been the exact same characters for what, two, three years now. And yet they're so over and a large part is because they just do really straightforward, direct things like that. And that was a really cool promo. And I, it really actually got me hyped for a Ring of Honor pay-per-view that I otherwise could have really given two shits about. So um, it is kind of neat. Like now you're seeing guys like as they're, even though you're still getting the great mic work there, now you're getting like Wardlow getting a chance to like take a turn and actually doing a admirable job for a guy who as we love to harken back to could barely look into the camera and talk at the same time when we first saw him debut no that's that's a really great point um i i'm also just curious about kind of where they're going with a lot of storylines because i i guess there's the the one that i think is kind of the most obvious so i'm curious to see if they get interesting with it is uh cage and jungle boy because that one has kind of just the very linear like christian comes out wearing a turtleneck which once again spectacular choice um and you know talks shit about the family and then jack is going to get to come and kind of play the baby face but it feels like they're going to do something different to swerve us a little bit so I'm, i'm intrigued by that one but other than that you know i think we for the seventh time can bring up that obviously the acclaimed and the ass boys are cruising for something. The one thing I was curious with that though is they've got the manager, but the manager definitely physically can't do anything. Uh, as opposed to Billy. So I'm kind of wondering if there might be like a sixth man floating around somewhere. Cause I think Billy, you got to get into the ring. Stokely. You talking about Stokely? Happy? Yeah. Yeah. Cause if he kind of stole the, the ass boys, if you just do a straight up tag match, Billy can be such a swing factor because he's actually the biggest and most physically intimidating guy in the group. Stokely's building something beyond, um, which is going to be interesting. And and I'm glad you brought him up because my take on it, and I'm hoping, and I, I have a feeling this isn't going to happen, but, but my real hope is that they're building a, a major stable with actually Jade Cargill as the leader because that's almost unheard of to actually i mean you're kind of seeing rhea ripley filling that role right now in the wwe but like i'm talking like a full-on like nwo red and white kind of stable and with having like a super prominent champion at the helm who happens to also be a woman um and i think jade could actually do it especially because the talent that it seems like stokely's like been like teasing or whatever like such as the ass boys um i know that like there's been other uh characters that they're evading me i I believe uh dante martin was they attempted to get him at one point so we'll see how it goes i'm interested to see because you're absolutely right like there's no way that the acclaimed and the ass boys won't face off in some manner it's the real question is what role does billy gunn have in that 
So um, I what I'm imagining is maybe it becomes one of those things where he just can't bring himself to actually lay out his kids, even though he has multiple instances where that would be the, the most important thing to do or the right thing to do. But uh, to be determined, either way, like I, I'm actually very impressed with how well uh, his kids are actually doing for not being that experienced from what I understand in the ring. What else is jumping out to you as a blade? Um, I think, you know, it's unfortunate that Statlander went down with the injury because I was really, really expecting her to be the one who could take the title off of Jade, um, which, you know, again, lends to my bullshit rumor of her potentially having a stable now because I, I still can't think of anybody on roster who could really do it. I mean, they're teasing Athena, but what are your thoughts on her? Do you think that, that she has legs as a champ or... Is she just kind of a fun, you know, side character? I I don't think she necessarily has the legs to take her down, but I think she does to maybe make like a a good like two match series to really push her and have there be the like blatant, you know, kind of like Britt Baker was doing a little bit um, and that she always, you know, was able to win with like help. I could see it being that, for the first time, because Jade's still never really been, like, in doubt. She's had some people that, like, compete with her, but I could see them setting up Athena to really have her uh, pretty much, you know, dead to rights and then get, you know, shoved off the top rope or something. So then you get a rematch. That's kind of what I see is that they're giving Jade a real a real rival versus just kind of the cannon fodder that she's been receiving on a lot of levels. Yeah, that makes sense. And actually, that would be solid booking based on how they've been doing it, where you're finally starting to see her be vulnerable. It actually reminds me a lot of how they handled Miro when he had the run with the TNT championship of just kind of like gradually you seeing the like folks, you know, quote unquote, scouting him out, figuring out the way to finally break through a seemingly invincible aura. But yeah, that I could definitely see it. And I'm in agreement. I, I don't see her taking the strap, but. I do think that they could put on a hell of a match. So what about you, Danimal? Who do you got in the trios tournament? Oh man. I mean, we can, we can just do it now, but having, having Kenny back, like it's once again, proof that just because people know something's coming, doesn't mean that it's not going to be great. I think, you know, punk's return was an example. And because I, I still feel like I'm riding, pretty hard for wwe cody's return like wrestling fans we don't need to be shocked anymore we just need the moment to be embraced and i think it's one of the few times wrestling fans are actually like good about that that it's like oh they should have saved it for you know it was a handicap match and then he does it's like no just let everyone get really fucking excited as you know this list of accolades is read and everyone gets to do the like oh my god oh my god is it gonna be you know a bait and switch and it's like nope so no, it was it was great to see him back. I'm not gonna lie, there was a little bit of concern with like the shirt and the uh, the like bionic brace he was wearing. I was kind of getting flashbacks to like shirt rock, but uh, <laughs> no, it was it was great to see him back. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts about getting Kenny back, and what are your thoughts about him being back in this capacity? Uh you know, it, I, it's fascinating. Like Kenny's my favorite wrestler and currently active and i was so stoked when he came back i'm glad they did the way they did and 
didn't save it for a pay-per-view, didn't immediately throw him into a, a major like title contention right out of the gate. Like, I think this is a great way to gradually give him, you know, his chance to remind people of just how damn good he is, but also probably allow him to shake off a lot of that ring rust. Cause it's been, I think they said over 200 days since he was last in the ring. Um, he changes everything though, in that company, like it, it's, there's something different about what he brings. I think just all of the accolades, the fact that he can go with anyone, the fact that there's so many talents on that roster that we haven't seen him even really square off with yet. Um, that have been added in the time he's been away. So I, I'm so jacked and I love the way that it's, I think this is good that it was brought up in a manner where it's like, yes, he'll still be in a very prominent role, but you know, let's allow, you know, Mox and Punk to do their thing. Let's not have him immediately jump into a feud with like Blackpool or any of those or Malachi Black's contingent. So yeah, I, I'm over the moon that Kenny Omega is back in wrestling. It, it changes everything for me, personally. No, I think I think that's a great point. I mean, I, I definitely still do kind of have the, like... I, I know that I wasn't in the, like, cool club initially with Kenny because I just knew he was rumored to be great, but I still kind of feel like I'm getting, like, this treat that I wasn't going to get with him. And I, I, I think you make a great point. And one, it keeps him out of some of these these top top tier spots um but i think the most important thing that you touched on was the concerns about ring rust and i think coming back from an injury because i think kenny's one of those guys that if you put him out there with punk or you put him out there with danielson in a one-on-one match he could feel every injury that's been repaired starting to fall back apart but he would push that match as far as he could because that's who he is and i think by putting him in such a big multi-man match you're going to be able to do like, all right, so Kenny's getting the hot tag and we can see how like these five moves feel and gauge, you know, and they even kind of brought up when he did like the one winged angel, like, Oh, it looks like he's struggling a bit. Well, I'm sure in real life, they came back backstage and it's like, how'd that feel? Was it difficult? Like, you know, we wrote it so it could look shitty in case it didn't work. But I think it's going to be great. And also from like the bump card standpoint that he doesn't have to, you know, come out in some, I guess it was still a disappointment, but a flaming barbed wire exploding death match. It's like, no, no, like, you know, let, let Nick and Matt take some of the, you know, crazy long beat downs and falls from the top. So I, I think it's a, a great way to bring him back. Um, the thing that I was really curious about is from a standpoint of how he's booked. So obviously him coming back is super over, but he's still rolling with Don Callis. Which kind of made me like they can't make Don Callis manage a face group, can they? That's a really great great question. And honestly, like there's so many different ways it could go. I mean Don Callis really adds another element too. Like Jericho is filled in admirably, I will say, as being the obnoxious figure that joins the announce team and just like spouts off whatever nonsense. But Callis is on a different level. And, you know, I don't know. Like, I know that, like, it was very important for them to also include, like, Hangman with, you know, the Bucks initially asking him to join up first. So maybe it does become one of those things where they try to bring him back into the fold or maybe there's a brief feud again with the Dark Order. But that's that's a really good point. Like, I again, I'm like you as well. Like, for me, I didn't really follow 
a lot of Kenny Omega outside of, you know, discovering AEW only a few years ago, you know. So I'm unfamiliar with all the backstory and all the crazy stuff. And I'm sure wrestling historians are probably up in arms. And we even suggest the idea of Don Gallus managing a face group. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I, But ultimately, I think you're right, though. Just like it's one of those things. It's like bring him along in a way where you know he's healthy enough to, to be somewhere. Uh, you know, surround him by as many talking heads as if you need to, where if he does need to duck out and rehab something initially, you can kind of bide your time with storylines in that way. And uh, we'll see where it goes because uh, there's a lot of fun other stuff going on to still kind of distract from the fact that the best wrestler in the world is back in action again. Um, Other ideas going on. So we also have, in addition to FTR cleaning up all the belts, we have the emergence of the mixed tag belt. What were your thoughts on that one emerging, even though it's not technically an AEW belt, but Sammy Guevara and now Ty, I forget what her new last name is, are holding that. What are your thoughts on this belt being added to the fold? First, I'm with you on the name thing, because I believe they actually got married in real life, but I don't know why she wouldn't be Ty Guevara now. So that's strange. Um, I I don't know. I, I guess I'm curious because I'd like to see, you know, I think we've both kind of been intrigued by intergender matches. I think the struggle with belts like this is that you just run into too much disparity to make it work um because it's like you know i'll I'll jump companies real quick they're really setting up that Rhea is going to have a match with ray or dominic which is cool because it's got more of the old school like china feel where it's like in either of those matchups she's the physically imposing one but you still have to be careful when you're booking something like that because while Rhea is crazy if you put her up against an absolute or just like you know my de facto guy put her up against Randy all of a sudden she's going to look small again and then it's just a big burly guy beating up a woman and that's where I think the mixed tag is so tough because it's like I think they probably got the best roster to do it because you just make sure that all the men you're booking are the like Dante Martin or like you know uh, I'm trying to think like Wheeler Yuta you know Orange Cassidy guys that you know they may be a little bit bigger but there's not going to be that like oh, God, Big Show's in there, you know, or, you know, Randy, where it's just like, oh, God, this is, you know, a, a full-grown big man versus like, okay, they're both flippy, they both do shit. You know, I could definitely see, you know, unfortunately, like we said, she's injured, but, you know, Statlander could work great in something like that. So I could totally see her, you know, throwing Sammy's ass around the ring. But I think uh, I think right now it just feels like that's a little bit of them wanting to keep some heat on uh that couple, which, you know, I, I stand by as smart because they do annoy the shit out of me and you got to take advantage of real heat. But yeah, I, I guess I'll be curious to see how far they take it or if this is just kind of a, a device to keep uh, Ty and Sammy in the spotlight. I agree with absolutely everything you said. The only other thing I would add to it, honestly, is um, I feel like they've done a very good job because they are so heavy on either stables or groups or or folks kind of coming out in teams like that of kind of raising up talent by having them alongside a bigger talent like Dante Martin and sky blue and sky blue has been pretty much just a jobber on the main cards for a while now. 
But Dante's pretty over. So that was a great excuse to kind of put Sky Blue in a situation where it's like, okay, you know, continue to get her out there because, you know, if it is going to take it, you know, you need the exposure to get there rather than just throwing her into dark matches over and over. So I, I think it's a good opportunity to kind of do that with some of the talent in the women's division, which inevitably almost always becomes so top heavy because, you know, there's just like three, four of them. They're just like over the moon and talent wise. And then there's a lot who just can't get onto the show or the card because they only have one women's match per, per program. So uh, I, I think it's a good show ability to showcase with some more mixes of just throwing one character who may be over a male talent, perhaps, and, you know, a women talent who can also get a chance to get more exposure in that light. And then also keep Sammy and, you know, tie in that spotlight of being the obnoxious couple that everyone hates. Excel at it. <laughs> For sure. Uh, what do you think of Wardlow? I mean, I know that you were a big Brian Cage th- fan early on, but now that he seems to have stolen that thunder and taken that role on. Well, you know, I, I continue to like Wardlow and feel like he's he's really shown a lot of progress. I think, like you said, his his mic work went from, you know, laughably bad. I still like think about that. Like, they said your promo was this. That would mean it's perfect, right? So bad. But... No, I think I think it's good. I think having a Haas with the belt it, that's a face is kind of a nice change of pace since they've been going the other way. Um, I'm going to pivot a little bit because I, I've been very intrigued by a recent signing uh, that could obviously step into the ring with him, and that's Parker Bordreau, who had the Baby Brock moniker when he signed on with NXT and was cut loose and is now resurfaced. And I'm really kind of intrigued because the booking with him right now is so fucking weird because they've got him with this goofy like duo that he just doesn't seem to fit with. So I don't know if, you know, is he the next Haas that's built up? Could he be a a longer term adversary for the war dog? What, what are your thoughts on both uh, Wardlow's future? And have you got any takes on Parker just because he was such a hyped commodity coming into NXT, but now his, his booking seems a little questionable. Parker seems destined for cleaning up in ring of honor. Like I, I feel like much like we were just discussing with the mixed belt. Like I feel like they're doing similar with the ring of honor talent of you throw them into AEW to kind of build up some street cred, but then ultimately you're not quite on that level. So you can go there. Uh, you're absolutely right. The baby Brock thing, like, you know, he's between the look, the tattoos, you know, some of the ability, you know, maybe not on the full level of Brock, but definitely, you know, he's, he's a hoss for sure. Uh, that's a really weird tag team. That's like I said, part of the reason why David, you know, companies like ring of honor aren't nearly as engaging for me <laughs> because it's just too comical and goofy when I turn on and see who's involved sometimes. Um, so yeah, I, that, that one was weird. Cause I, I had heard the name through NXT. And so, um, it's weird that he's part of a trio, but my guess is that ultimately he'll fraction off and probably clear house and ring of honor, uh, Wardlow on the other hand, like, I think he's getting a great run. I'm glad that they're doing this while MJF's away. 
um, you know, be it through suspension or more likely, in my opinion, he's probably doing some Hollywood stuff right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a good opportunity for him to work on those mic skills, go over with the crowd as a baby face a bit. Um, he's amazing talent in the ring. So, um, I'm not, I'm still not certain like how you add to it because it's pretty straightforward. Like he's just a big dude who power bombs people and can do a few high flyers here and there. Um, but you know, he's definitely, I, my hope is like we had alluded to in the past of turning that division for a brief stint into kind of a Haas division and seeing like a powerhouse Hobbs versus Wardlow or seeing Miro versus Wardlow and, and some of the bigger talent that you don't necessarily get as many opportunities on the main card with. No, that's, that's a great point. And I, since you brought him up, uh, powerhouse is now engaged in a feud with former team Taz teammate, Ricky Starks. What are your thoughts on the Stark, uh, turn? That was a weird one. Like, honestly, like that cheap shot was legit. Like, I think he actually clocked them pretty good on that one. Um, it also led to the, the complete dissolution of, uh, team Taz. So, you know, maybe there was that too to, and lend some credibility to him. Um, I always believe that, uh, team Taz were all made up of guys who were pretending to be, uh, heels. Like they were just all too likable <laughs> to possibly be heels and yet they were cast in that role. So, and I feel like, especially in the case with Starks, he kind of has won over, but, um, you know, powerhouse, I'm glad that he's got an angle. I don't quite get it just yet. What do you think on it? Um, I, I'm also excited in the sense that I think the the stable really didn't have that much going for it. So I think breaking it up versus letting it just kind of stagnate and, you know, become the obvious, like, oh, they're going out in the trios tournament in the first round. Um, so, no, I think it's a good way to keep them busy. Um, I think Ricky being so good on the mic, and I think with his size, he just doesn't have that heel persona. I think it was so strange when it was like, him against Brian Cage and Cage is playing the baby face and Stark is the guy hitting the big spear for the win on him. It was just like, no, that doesn't add up. So I think, I think it's good in that regard. And then we may as well get to it now, but it also has freed up our man hook to take the FTW unofficial title of another case of the bountiful amount of belts in uh, AEW, but this one really being uh Pretty fun as uh, Hook continues his meteoric rise through the mid-card while also not being put into any spot he can't succeed. Though I'm I'm curious, are they just, like, is he terrible on the mic? Or are they just saving up for, like, the uh, like the silent Bob or Vinnie Jones at the end of Gone in 60 Seconds where he, like, just gets on it and really gives, like, the big, like, holy shit moment? Yeah, um... Hook's a, Hook's a weird spot. Like, honestly, that's if there's one area of contention I have with what AEW is doing right now is there's certain because of those bountiful amount of belts, there seems to be certain characters that like, I just don't see how you book them to lose anymore. Um, Hook being one of them and Claudio being the other that jumped to mind where it's like, I don't think can't foresee any portion of time where. Claudio's going to drop that Ring of Honor belt now. 
just because who's going to match up with him? And, you know, by digress with Hook, it's, it's, you know, he's so over, but I, I do kind of agree with you. Like, I almost feel like they're concerned that the second he does open his mouth beyond a few, like, one-liners here or there, that all of that, like, image or whatever just goes out the window and everyone's like, oh, he's he's really is just a punk kid. <laughs> so, um it's enjoyable, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see um, if he ever actually starts getting tested now or if they're just going to really milk the whole, you know, shows up every now and kicks the shit out of some jobber and then goes away and chews bubblegum for the next three episodes. You know, on the subject of things that may not be working, that's kind of where I'm landing right now with the main AEW women's title. I feel like while the Thunderstorm tag team and the support each other baby faces is great, it just feels like we're going towards the Tony Tony Storm heel turn and her probably taking the belt. Um, Just especially maybe it was the the difficult thing of having to follow Britt's run where she really had such a great shtick and then quality matches to boot. Whereas I think Rosa's definitely got all the talent in the ring, but isn't quite as compelling. You feel much one way or the other towards that storyline, or are you just kind of ready for them to move on to whatever the next step for that belt is? I think you raised some excellent points. Um, I'm pretty over that whole trifecta to be honest like i love what brit does on the mic and i do think that she adds quite a bit to the company but there's only so much you can do when you're at the top and there's really no clear like number two and rosa seems like it just reminds me of one of those champs where it's like the whole her whole mystique was always like coming in second and now that she finally got there, it's like she you're right like there's not much else she offers like yeah she's she's an awesome like I'm sure she's amazing at like the actual like live events. I'm sure she's really engaging at the fan forums and all that. She's a great character. Like she, she does a lot of amazing things, but there's not really much else she offers. Like the only, it's a shame because really like the only thing I think could make her character intriguing right now is if she were chasing Jade Cargill, like she did with Britt Baker of just this like, my tenacity is eventually going to win out and I'm going to wear you down by just taking everything you can give and eventually keep getting up and keep tacking you and keep going for it. Um, her just being the champ and with Tony storm, who's, who's another one, honestly, that like, even though all the talents there and I get it, like she has a cool gimmick or whatever, but it, it's never really landed because it's just always been like, she seems like she's just good enough of a character to be, super over in like a lower tier production. But when it comes to like the main stuff, you know, the big shows, the showcases, it's like, what more do you offer? It's like, cool. You're an eighties chick rocker chick. Like, do you not really offering much on the mic? Like your move sets like good, but not amazing. Like, I, I don't know. Like I'm really torn. I, I'm not excited at all for them squaring off. And I really don't like the idea of, them two being best friends, but also rivals. And I know that that's a holdover from, you know, other divisions that have played that well, but I've never seen it work out any other way than what you described. But to be fair, you know, the other thing I foresee possibly happening on the men's side is I could also see that being the twist to the Christian cage and jungle boy thing too, is I, I actually believe that Luchasaurus might do the full heel turn and 
side up with Christian Cage and turn on Jungle Jack and kind of completely free him from the uh, Jurassic Express tag team. But again, I have no proof beyond that. I haven't heard any whispering from credible sources. That's me purely talking out of my ass. Yeah, I think I, I could definitely get down with that. I could support it. I also heard of someone talking about like evil Luchasaurus just kind of being like the AEW Kane. And I kind of like that idea of just like the big dude in the mask who just like, you know, he's got the Joker, like some men just want to see the world burn. And it's like, anytime you need a baby face to get heated up, it's like just out of nowhere, just like, Luchasaurus, my God. And then just beats the shit out of someone. So no, I, I think that could be a fun one. Christian having a heavy could definitely be a pretty fun little run. Yeah, I mean, well, still needs to be seen, but yeah, that's that's the direction I'm leaning with that. Uh, any other characters jumping out at you, standing out to you? I mean, I know we get uh, a healthy dose of Jane Lethal every other night, but I don't know if anybody actually cares. No, most certainly not. Um, the one thing I will say that uh, is continuing to be interesting is the the Blackpool Combat Club, the seemingly impending defection of Daniel Garcia after the spectacular two out of three falls match with Brian Danielson, and then Jericho, you know, taking offense to it, and the Euro wrestler versus sports entertainer. Um, I just think it continues to be just a great way to mine spectacular matches, and also, you know, as we've said before, it it keeps some really big names out of the title spotlight. You know, Jericho didn't beat Moxley for the belt and now is able to, you know, be in this storyline with those guys. So that's that's one arc that I'm continuing to be interested in. Um, I also am kind of curious, like, what happens? Do we get, like, a, a Wheeler Yuta quasi-turn? Does he, you know, all of a sudden not be in the favored young gun of the combat club? Do they intentionally turn it into some slightly grotesque, like... You guys have to fight each other now to see who the real, like, young, you know, alpha is here. But, yeah, that's that's a storyline that I continue to really enjoy just because I think all the all the performers in it are good. And there's a lot, a lot that can be done with it that's just going to result in great matches, almost for the sake of great matches. Like, that's the storyline, which I kind of appreciate where it's just like, you need to wrestle and be spectacular and put on five-star matches. It's just like... Oh, cool. I guess the storyline gets moved forward when they wrestle a five-star match. I can dig that. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I, I Like I said, I'm very impressed with this renaissance of Jericho because for a while there, he was just bloating up and it was just getting all sorts of bad with him trying to push him as the true baby face of the company. At, at Much like Punk, like we discussed, like Jericho's at his best when he's loud and obnoxious and just, you know, full of himself. And, you know, he has the perfect you know vehicle for it now so uh really intrigued by that the only other thing i'd mention is i'm super jacked from the miro house of black showdown uh i still have no idea what direction that's going to go and i hope it doesn't become one of those sting and darby tag along and help out things like i really just want to see miro clear house on his own but you know i i have a feeling it's going to be more sting and darby (laughs) help out yeah, I could see that eventually. My hope would be that maybe Miro has to work his way up, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat style. And so we get a Miro buddy, we get a Miro Brody, and then finally, maybe when it's supposed to be black, then we get the tag match and then maybe we get the blow off. But no, that that is a uh, that is a storyline that I'm excited for, especially because, you know, Miro is 
such a great talent that he's pretty exciting. So uh, is that that about where you're at on AEW? Because I got to see if you got any uh, WWE takes since the last time we recorded was pre uh, New Direction moving forward. Yeah, no, let's let's move it on to it real quick. Uh, yeah, I'm all in on Triple H running the show and and bringing back some of these familiar faces. It's that that was such a great turn that first one with K- Killer Cross popping up and taking out Drew McIntyre because it was the perfect Drew McIntyre coming out and just being the whole like, ah, here we go again. Like we've seen this how many times and they're going to do it again. And I get it. Drew's a very talented wrestler, but like we've seen Roman bang with all of these ones and out of nowhere, you know, it's like, oh, finally something different. And I think that's, you know, kind of summarizes all of it. But Danimal, give me a rundown. What are you thinking of it so far? Oh man, I'm, I mean, I'm over the moon. I, I've, cause I, I, you know, I've stuck with WWE a lot more uh, than you have. And part of it was, you know, the, the fandom of the old stuff, but then also that I, I saw all the promise, you know, I saw all the talent and yeah, I thought, I thought the cross comeback, I mean, and just the way that they're presenting things, it's such a clear, I don't want to say fuck you, but such a clear, like, that was the old, this is the new. Because one of the biggest knocks, too, on Cross was that they left Scarlet behind. He's got this spectacular ballet. And then the first thing we see is the black and white with her silhouette. And it's like, yeah, before you even see Cross, you know, you see kind of, you know, she's she's the harbinger. You know, she she does the TikTok. She's the shadow which precedes death. And that was such a great way of, like, instantly telling us that things were going to be done the way we'd always hoped and i also love the creativity of him going after the number one contender because it's always just been you attack the champ too and then you get the three-way title match it's you know tale as old as time you know you brought it up that how do you get a title match in wwe you run down with a chair in the middle of a match and you smack the guy you know boom you got the next premium live event so you know that was that was a great call the the entire way that they've been handling just the shows have been, you know, longer matches, little nuances that everything seems to matter. They've also continued this trend, like I said, of we're doing things different in that, like, belts are being called belts again, which was a band Vince word. Wrestling, wrestling fans, wrestler are all back in the vernacular. Like, Triple H is kind of getting into the, like, you know, Yes, we're an entertainment company, but a lot of people are here for the wrestling. Um, like Walter, um, I don't know how much you've seen him, but he's awesome. He's got like his M. Bison-esque gimmick. You know, he's all of a sudden the Intercontinental Champ and looks great. Um, no, it's it's just been fun. And gosh, I just, I'm gushing. But like Drew doesn't really have the sword anymore, which was a great case of like, they just kept bringing it to him so he could inevitably even the odds with it. Or, you know, he cut a ring rope like twice, which became kind of a like, oh, we're doing this again. But no, it's it's just been so many little details and not running back the same things. After SummerSlam, it was all moving ahead with new storylines, whereas for so long it was like the reheat every time. Like, you know, if you liked it once, wait till you see it again. And even just like the crazy shit at SummerSlam with the tractor, like I I just feel like you know Triple H is really starting to flex on everyone. Um, we've mentioned her twice by no accident. She's one of 
the most like Triple H was a fan of her, but Rhea Ripley and Judgment Day, it's one, really fucking cool. And two, they are booking Rhea, like you said, you know, they keep saying there is no leader. But I think the most important thing is that if there is one, it's her. That you either have the woman being held completely equal with the men, if not a little higher. And, you know, her her booking has been great. Um, and that's something that I'd kind of been disappointed in. Like, they're really showcasing the women. They got the tag division back after uh, Banks and Naomi left. And now, of course, the rumors of that. But, yeah, the way talent has come back, too. Uh, there was kind of this weirder guy at Dexter Loomis, the the artist who I, I like th- Dexter a lot. Actually, I was actually surprised that he didn't get over bigger. Um... Well, and now they're bringing him back in the most like there was like the episode he came back first. There was like this car crash that happened backstage that they kept kind of talking about, but there wasn't any real clue. And then like. Loomis got pulled away in the main event, but they barely showed it on the broadcast and it was done. So it's like his whole story is very like kind of self-contained and a little confusing, which should be with a guy like that. Um, like Tommaso Ciampa is getting a lot of push and I've always thought he's one of like the premier guys. And they ha- him and Lashley had a spectacular match where like both guys came out looking good. It's just, I don't know. It's, it feels like this brave new world and you know i I'm, I'm glad at AEW now it was feeling the push because i think this is this is what i think we all dreamed of initially was that they would really sharpen each other as opposed to just like WWE is going to do the we have stockholders and put movies out AEW is going to do the we're real wrestlers but now it seems like they kind of want to cross pollinate and you know step on each other's toes and it really has me excited for where we're headed it really reminds me, and you know, maybe I'm biased because you and I are both re- former restaurant guys, but it it's like the difference. Like when McMahon was running it, it was like that classic old school, like Ray Kroc restaurateur, where it's like you have a recipe that works and you stick to it and you drill it into everybody's head that it needs to be precisely this way every single damn time because we know it's worked historically it's worked people like it if you're not familiar with this product they're not gonna they're gonna leave and go somewhere else and then the alternative is you have like a real like more artisan take which is like we're gonna keep pushing the envelope and sometimes to the detriment we're gonna take risks sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but we're gonna keep going 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 this seems like such a nice balance where it's like, yeah, you have all those famous, you know, secret sauces that have worked for years or whatever in your back pocket, but let's sprinkle in something here and there that, you know, because we've been teasing it for a while that we had the ability to, now we have free reign to do what we want. And rather than focusing, like you mentioned perfectly, it's like, okay, here's our formula for building up to the major pay-per-views each time by repeating over and over and over again. Let's instead like throw some things in here that may like, throw somebody for a loop or, you know, maybe create some tension that we didn't expect was going to be there or showcase somebody you didn't think would be on this level. So really exciting stuff. And yeah, I I think ultimately like this is, you know, we've mentioned it multiple times now, this is the second coming of the Monday night wars. And I couldn't be happier as a fan of professional wrestling. Well put, can't wait to see where it takes us and can't wait to get back on a good recording schedule. Yeah, for sure. Any last thoughts there, Danimal? Nah, I think uh, 
think we can say top guys out. 